0: Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team, and this is an episode for us to review the most popular episodes of 2021 from this entire year. We had some amazing guests on the year, if you've been following us all along, including Guests like the president of the International Franchise Association, Robert Crisanti, Lisa Ziveld, the COO and CFO of Belay, Landon Eccles, the co-founder of Clean Juice, Steve Ulster, the world's podcast authority, Tom Sullivan, the head of government relations with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and if you recall, Jesse Cole, the owner of the Savannah Bananas professional baseball team. And these were all phenomenal guests. And as we look back, there were five guests or five episodes that you all thought were the best of the year because they had the most downloads for the year. And so we're going to give you some quick snippets and highlights out of each of the top five, and we're going to start in reverse order. So we'll start with number five on our list. And before we jump into the first one, just want to wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas. And first up on our list is Dr. J.J. Peterson, who is the Chief of Teaching and Facilitation with StoryBrand. And if you've been around me or a company for any amount of time, you'll know that I love the StoryBrand methodology, and it was a great honor to have Dr. J.J. Peterson as a guest. So here's an excerpt from his interview, which was episode 67.
1: You are helping your customer win the day. And there's actually a methodology to this, a a formula really of how to create a story that invites your customer in to do business with you versus trying to sell your products, position yourself as the hero. There's actually a formula because story is very formulaic. And so we teach people that formula. We teach people how stories are built based on ancient, really going back all the way to Aristotle and Plato that are, have been refined over the centuries, over even today in movies, in the movie theater, we teach people how story works. And in its most simple form, if we we're going to write a movie, we may need like 30 to 40 points that go into the movie. But for the most simple version of a story, there are really seven elements. There is a character who wants something, who encounters a problem, who meets a guide, who gives them a plan that calls them to action that results in either success or failure. Those are the seven elements of every good story. And so just to break it down a little bit, In every movie, a character wants something. So Jason Bourne wants to know who he is, right? And it's always very clear what the character wants. The character can't want 20 things. They have to want one thing. Because if Jason Bourne wants to know who he is, open a bakery, do all this other stuff, we're not interested. So the character needs to know one thing. Then the character encounters a problem that gets in the way of one of that thing he wants. So he encounters a villain, he encounters an earthquake, something gets in the way that creates a problem. And that's what makes a story really good. If Jason Bourne's life was easy, it would be a boring story. (laughs) (laughs) And then He meets a guide, somebody who already understands who they are. So the the girl who becomes his girlfriend, he meets her. She knows who she is, tries to ground him in, in knowing who he is. Then that guide and him develop a plan together to figure it out to what to do. There is a moment they have to be called to action. And we know that either they could have a happy ending and he knows who he is, success, or he can... Basically die. <laughs> he can never find out who he is and die. There's happy ending and sad endings. Now, moving that into marketing, you know, you know, this is a business podcast, so it's not all about story structure and, and movies. but if we take those same principles and look at your customer, and we identify your customer as the hero of the story. We need to create messaging points on our websites, in our emails, lead generators, everything that invites those customers into a beautiful story that transforms them. At the beginning, before they meet you, they are one way. Maybe they are disorganized. By the time they are done with you, they are organized. They literally transform like a character in a movie. So, we need to establish talking points that invite them into that story of transformation so we need to answer the question what is it that our customer wants and we need to be able to articulate that very clearly then we have to be able to articulate what are the problems our customers are experiencing and those have to be obvious and everywhere in your marketing The only reason why somebody is coming to you is because you can solve a problem. So we identify what their problems are. We identify how to position ourselves as a guide in their story. And that's with empathy and authority. We have to understand their problems and have overcome them for other people. Then we have to give them a plan, a very clear plan for how to win the day or how to do business, how to get started. We have to have clear calls to action, and we have to cast a vision for what life is like if they act or don't act. So what happens if they don't buy our product or service? They continue to experience the pain and struggle they did before. And what happens if they do, then they have success, their problems are overcome, and they are able to have a beautiful life.
0: The fourth most listened episode of 2021 was the interview we had with Dr. Ben Letalian with FranchiseWell, who talked about social franchising. And here's a little excerpt from that interview. And his episode number was episode 72, if you want to go back and listen to the whole thing.
2: First of all, I would just say that um, a social franchise is a a, uh, a profit owned franchise business. So the Goodwill, for example, if they were to put a Subway franchise in one of their retail locations, that would be a social franchise. nonprofit owned Franchise business. I have many clients that are nonprofits that own UPS stores. Uh, that's turned out to be a really good fit uh, for clients that are serving uh, disabled population, for example, who are working with them to they want to work in community. They don't want to work in a shelter workshop. And, and having a job in a UPS store, uh, it was so touching. I asked this one uh, adult that I met at one of our first UPS stores. I said, know what do you like about working here and he said when i tell people where i work they know where i'm talking about right he's used to working in a a, you know like as a custodian in a a, you know a building at night or something you're right because the jobs for people with disabilities you know i mean over 10 percent of the disabled population is unemployed i mean it's it's huge but they want to work in community. They want to be part of, and he says, you know, people know when I tell them I work at the UPS store, they're like, oh, that's cool. And it gives them a sense of like, I'm, I'm part of this, not on the sideline and powerful. So, uh, So a franchise, a social franchise is a nonprofit that owns a franchise business. A social franchising is a nonprofit that scales their business, if you will, or their concept using the franchise model. Um, and and people don't really know this or understand it, but Goodwill operates just like McDonald's. They they charge an upfront fee. They charge an ongoing fee based on all the sales at your retail stores. It's a $3 billion organization with 3,000 retail locations. It's as big as any franchisor on the planet. Yet, you know they're exempt from the FTC rule because the FTC doesn't consider what they do an ongoing um, commercial endeavor. And so they're they're not, they don't have to have a FTC, but they're doing everything, they're using the franchise model just like we're using it. But YWCA, YMCA. There are many nonprofits that scale using the franchise model. We're just not familiar with it in the franchise community because they're not using an FDD and not under the FTC purview. So fascinating uh, arena. I think with millennials in franchising sector now in record numbers, we are going to see more and more social franchise activity because uh, there are concepts out there now that are coming into the space that are wellness oriented or health and medical oriented. Uh, that certainly could fall in that category. Um, I, I mean, I think we're just on the the, the front end of seeing some really amazing uh, concepts scale uh, using franchising that are, are going to have a dramatic impact on society.
0: The third most listened to episode of the year was with Stephanie Stuckey, who bought and is now restoring the business that was started by her grandfather called Stuckey's Corp. So here's a snippet from our interview with Stephanie Stuckey, who is episode 38, if you'd like to listen to the entire episode again.
3: Resilience is how you respond to shocks and stresses. And a shock is just what you would think. It's a sudden, unexpected crisis like what happened in Texas. That's a shock. A stress is a long standing underlying, often hidden vulnerability in your entire system. So, a stress would be poverty, lack of capital, lack of economic mobility, things that really can tear at the fabric of your organization. And what the resilience lens teaches you to focus on is the stresses, because when you experience a shock, which we all will, and you cannot predict the shocks, you just have to accept in business, in life, in government, there will be total crises that come out of left field that you can't anticipate no matter how much strategic planning you do. You can't anticipate Climate change was a lot of what I worked on. You can't always anticipate that there's going to be a severe storm, a hurricane or tornado. You can't always anticipate that there's going to be something like what happened with George Floyd's death and the Black Lives Matter movement, which was a social crisis. That is you can't prepare for that in the traditional sense of knowing, all right, we're going to have a race riot on our hands. What you can do to prepare for these crisis, these shocks, is tackle the underlying stresses. That's what makes you resilient. So to put that in a business context, what is the underlying core of what makes a business work? And I would say it's not only the, the typical business logic of making sure we have cash flow and we have a strong capital foundation of assets, but also human capital and culture. What is your culture? I mean, you know that saying, culture is strategy for breakfast. It's about culture. That is a resilient company that you have a real sense of, why am I here? What is our essence? And that's reflected in what you do. That gives you your energy to keep moving forward. Hmm. Does that help?
0: It, it does, yeah. Oh. Wow, you got my mind, my gears turning. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I really appreciate that. It's, and, and that's a great point. You never know what, what the, no. the shocks are going to happen, right? You mentioned the, the snowstorm in Texas or the uh, global pandemic or you know these things that just shock, you know oh, yeah. what, what you're doing. But it focus on the stressors. That's really, really interesting. That's a great point. That's the pandemic
3: that's, is the absolute obvious example. And the pandemic has revealed a lot of the problems we have in this country with our healthcare system, with poverty, with racial inequities. All of that is, those are the stresses that if we don't tackle them as a society, every time we have a shock, we're going to have a hard time recovering. So as a business owner, what are the stresses that you need to make sure you're addressing. So when the inevitable shock happens, you're going to be okay. So like in the Stuckey's context, what hurt us in the pandemic, and I know hurt many businesses, is supply chain. Getting access to the product that we needed. And so now we're trying to be more thoughtful and sourcing our supplies locally. So we're not as dependent upon a supply chain that can easily break down. We, we source and still source some of our products internationally, but there are challenges with that. And if you make your own product, it's obviously a lot easier to deal with those su- supply chain issues. So just trying to figure out where the stresses that could really impact your business and address them during times when you're not in crisis mode. So when that inevitable happens you're prepared.
0: Now it's time for the most popular episode and most downloaded episode of 2021 from our podcast. So let's do a little drum roll. And it is episode 40 with Matt Lavender, the founder of New Again House's franchise company, someone I've had the good fortune to work alongside with and work with as a client and watch him. And his company grow and expand across the country as they're building a national house flipping franchise. So let's jump into a little snippet from the top most downloaded episode of 2021.
3: I think
4: people are are born either process oriented or results oriented, and and I think there's advantages of being each. But I think it's important to know know who you are and and embrace that. Um, coaching, coaching is a results business. Like you are measured by your results. And one of the frustrating parts about, um, my own experience in coaching is I'm a process person. And so you, you really invest in the process and anyone who is coached always knows that that doesn't always result. That <laughs> a good process doesn't always end up with, with results. And so, um, so yeah, I've, I've, that, that's been a consistent part of, of who I am throughout has always been really focused on on process. And so in building this business, um, the focus is is on is on process with, with the idea that if if you put in, if if you if you put in solid processes, it will ultimately lead to success. And I think it's the long game. It's not. It's not. Might not be success next month, but when success does come, and it's built on processes, I think it's much more sustainable, and and long term, rather than building something just for results. Because I think there's 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 ways to get short term results that in the long run aren't aren't sustainable. Um, so we've been really really focused on on. Processes and the fun part for me is is building those processes into uh, with technology and and software. And so I'm not I'm not skilled in building the software. I'm not a coder. I don't I don't have that expertise. But I have really enjoyed working with the software engineer in kind of implementing and systematizing good processes.
0: Interesting. And, and, uh, you know, using that technology or those systems and processes to, to work for you, right. Finding things and figuring out how different pieces all work together.
4: Yeah. It's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a puzzle, but it has to be, it has to be user friendly. Like it has to be simplistic enough, um, for people to use because one of the, one of the things that, um, I'm constantly aware of is that it's easier to build software than it is to get humans to use it. (laughs) Yeah. So building processes is only half the battle, like getting people to, to implement them is, is, is the real, is the, is the harder, harder part.
0: Well, that's the episode today, folks. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. We have just one more episode left in 2021. It will be a little bit of a different format as well. Wishing you and your families a Merry Christmas. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.